I feel like I've been given such a gift by the people who work for me, who model for me. And I want there to be a sense of touch that they've been loved and cared for this image that they've given. And that's one of the most important parts to me, that they know that in this space that they've been cherished and their stories are so important. You're listening to Burnt Toast. This is the podcast about anti-fat bias, diet culture, parenting, and health. I'm Virginia Smith. Today, I am chatting with Lindsay Guile. Lindsay is an associate professor of art at Duchess Community College, and she's also a body and fat liberation artist who explores concepts of self-image through the lens of contemporary feminist theory. Lindsay uses large format drawing and ceramics in her explorations in how body image affects self-worth. Her work has been exhibited at the Arno Museum, the Dorsky Museum, the Burkhart Gallery, the Mary Cosgrove Dolphin Gallery, Untitled Space Gallery, so many others. And she was an artist in resident at the Blue Mountain Center in the summer of 2021. Lindsay currently lives in Poughkeepsie. She's someone I know locally through fat activism work here in the Hudson Valley. She is awesome. Seeing her work in person was one of the most powerful experiences I've had since I started writing and thinking about bodies in the way that I do. We're putting lots of images in the show notes. Definitely check them out. Definitely follow her Instagram. But also, if you get a chance to see her work in person, these images are not doing it justice. The actual size and scale of these drawings is something you have to experience in real life. That's it. Lindsay is a total delight. I love talking to her about her process, about how she thinks about this work, and about the power of drawing bodies. So here's Lindsay. But first, a quick break. I want to say a quick thank you to everyone who has left us a review on Apple Podcasts lately. There are so many new good ones. We have 274 ratings now. Someone just go make that 275, please, for my brain. That would be great. Thanks. And there's just so many lovely things you all are writing. It's hands down the best thing you can do to help the podcast grow. Here is one of my favorite recent reviews. This person, Heather, writes, My favorite parasocial relationship. I love Virginia and Corinne and the insight they bring to so many important topics. And I am so thankful for tools to raise my daughter to love her body. Hashtag indulgence gospel for life. Thank you, Heather. We got you. Indulgence gospel for life, indeed. So I really appreciate everyone who's already left a rating or review. If you haven't done it, make sure you're subscribed for free in your podcast player. And then just scroll down in Apple Podcasts. You scroll down till you see the stars. Tap five stars, please and leave us a little note if you can. If that's not something you want to do or have time for, at least tell a friend about this episode. We so appreciate you supporting anti-diet body liberation journalism. So I'm Lindsay Guile, and I am a self-described feminist, body-neutral, fat liberationist, body liberationist, figurative artist. I know there's a lot of terms there, but there's like a lot that I want to embrace. And so I work mainly in large scale drawings that really explore the idea of femininity from the feminine gaze. I have people who model for me. They can be clothed or nude. It's totally up to them. I create an atmosphere that's really based on consent. And I've been doing this regularly for about five years, although the series started about 10 years ago. Bring us back 10 years ago. What made you say like, I not only want to draw bodies, I not only want to draw people, but I would like to draw them eight feet tall. I would like them to take up all of the space. How often do feminine folks get to just take up space, like unapologetically? 
that's one thing that really stuck in my brain in terms of size is that I wanted them to really just command a room quietly though, because I do draw versus paint. And I think painting, while wonderful, is a lot louder. I think mm. there can be such a powerfulness in sometimes subtlety. And really where it started was me kind of white-knuckling my way through my own recovery from diet culture and disordered eating, which was just, you know, so difficult for me, especially when I was in my Master's of Fine Arts program. I remember, like, laying on the floor in my studio apartment, like, having a panic attack knowing that I could either continue to engage in diet culture or I could pass my classes. Wow. Like it took up so much of my brain power to like, to do all that. And I was still maintaining both. And it got to the point where it just was not sustainable. Mm -hmm. And I finally had to be like, you know, I can't do this anymore. I'd started following some folks online who were fat. And I was like, look, these people are doing this. It's okay. I can let this go. And I've always been a figurative artist. I love drawing the human figure. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I need to draw myself nude. Wow. Which I had always been interested in being a nude model. Mm -hmm. But my body shape wasn't what people drew when I was a student. Mm -hmm. So it seemed very cut off to me. And one of my friends was like, hey, I think you need to draw yourself. So I drew myself from like collarbone to thigh. Mm -hmm. It actually hangs in my bedroom now, the drawing. And it was difficult because I was dealing with my own body image issues. But then people were coming into my studio and like, oh, my gosh, like, look at the draping on the stomach from all the weight fluctuations. This is really Mm. beautiful. Wow. And this is such a great drawing. Look, I love how you're honoring that body. I didn't tell people it was me. Oh, that's interesting. So you were really getting their like unfiltered response. They weren't like, oh, it's Lindsay. So I should say something nice to Lindsay about Lindsay. Yeah. And then it was like a light bulb that went off, which was like, I can use the system of art and this hierarchy and use that to start flipping the narrative and draw figures that not just were fat, although I think a lot of larger people come to me because I am larger Mm -hmm. and it's a safe space and start to tell people's stories in that way. And also having drawn myself and understanding how difficult it was to look at myself in that way, I think it gave me extra compassion for the people coming in where this was a very scary thing for them to do. Right. I want to hear more about working with other folks in a minute, but just since you brought up drawing yourself, I'm curious to hear how that experience changed how you relate to your body. I joke with people that the only time I've ever been small was when I was born because I was super early. And I'm also just shy of six feet tall, so I've never fit into a certain beauty narrative. Mm -hmm. And even when I was the most engaged in diet culture, I still have always been plus sized. Mm -hmm. And to see myself there in this drawing and to see it as an artist and as the person who drew was really profound. And I did my first drawing of me on the large scale in 2019. And it was really nerve wracking to see that like in a gallery and people interacting with it. I remember actually it was in a college I teach at. One of my students was like, does that look like the person? And I felt like saying, well, I don't know, does it? (laughs) (laughs) I guess it's a little weird to put yourself out there, but I've learned to look at myself with the eyes of an artist rather than with the eyes of the patriarchy Mm. and diet culture. And it's taught me a lot of kindness towards myself. And I'm not saying I don't struggle with it, 
but it's given me so much more. It feels like a way of reclaiming your body. Thousand percent. Yeah. And that's actually a big theme with a lot of people I work with is reclaiming their body in some way, shape or form. And actually, I was telling a friend this morning, I just started a new drawing of myself. I'd wanted to do one when I hit 40. Mm -hmm. And then I just wasn't in the space to do it. And I've done a lot recently with therapy. I got a bunch of tattoos, Mm -hmm. a nose ring. And I was like, I think I'm ready to tell that story of me again. I love that. I mean, tattoos are often another way people reclaim their body. And so many of your subjects have tattoos and you draw tattoos really beautifully. But yeah, that makes sense. Draw yourself again. I love that. And the first tattooed model I drew, that's specifically what she talked about. She's a larger woman. And she talked a lot about how people would stare at her. And she decided that she was going to give them something to stare at. And she has so many tattoos. And in fact, it's funny. She's a dear friend now. And she'll be like, Lindsay, I have more tattoos. (laughs) When do you want to draw me again? (laughs) That's amazing. And she's also a tattoo apprentice. So it's like wrapping around. So let's talk about your process a little bit. I mean, I don't speak fine art particularly fluently, but I do think there's an image we have of figure drawing of the model being just this sort of amorphous body, right? It's like men painting women because they're beautiful and nothing else. Like they're not people apart from the bodies. But your process is so different from that. I've been working as a figurative artist for over 20 years, and I've seen exactly what you're talking about. And I've even joked with my students. I'm like, oh, they're like a still life that breathes. Yeah. And I realized I was still objectifying our models, Mm -hmm. which obviously was a problem. (laughs) And so with my process, I usually use social media. And I'm like, hey, I'm looking for models. It explained the whole process that you don't have to be nude. It's consent driven. You can tell me like... I had a model once who was like, I'm okay with being fully nude, but I don't want you to show my vulva. Mm. And I was like, perfect, not a problem. We'll pose around it. Mm -hmm. And so they reach out to me. We set up, we usually have a little bit of a chat and I utilize the college I teach at their drawing studio to photograph because I just don't have room in my studio at home. And while they are up on a podium, that's more for just so I can get the right angles I try to create this atmosphere that is just really respectful. Usually when they come in, they get to the level of dress or undress that they're comfortable with. We get ready to start. And I say, you know, tell me about the story of your body. What are those things that have influenced you? But they also know that they can tell me anything, but they can also say, please don't utilize this in an artist talk. So Mm -hmm. I do tell them, I said, I'm I'm going to give talks. What can I say and what can I say? Mm And they go from there and some models are like, well, I don't know how to pose. And I said, I just want something really natural. What feels comfortable to you? How do you like to stand? How do you like to sit? And a lot of times my goal when I first start in talking with them and just getting them comfortable is so that they stop noticing the camera. Mm, Yeah, I have a similar thing with hoping they don't notice the tape recorder. (laughs) So I can relate to that. (laughs) Yeah, and it's also important to know that if at any point it becomes very emotional for them, which it definitely has, that I will actually put the camera down because I'm not there to exploit feelings. And it's happened a few times where a model was just so overcome with that moment that I set the camera down. And they're like, well, you can keep photographing. I'm like, I want you to have this moment for you. So it usually takes about an hour to photograph. And it's actually funny because I zoom around, like I'm on the floor, I'm on like a rolly stool, 
I photograph all the models from below so that when you as a viewer are in a gallery and they're larger than life, they look down on you. Mm-hmm. So it's very deliberate to put the viewers in a position of submission to the figures. Mm-hmm. It's usually pretty subtle because I don't want to like smack the viewer up the side of the head with it. I really want them to feel it. I was going to say be in their feels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. felt like such a millennial saying that. I wonder, is that like vulnerable for your subjects? Because I'm just thinking of especially how women are trained to photograph ourselves and from below is never the angle that we're told is the right angle. Yeah, I never even thought of that. No one's really ever said much because Mm. I do explain why this is. They can also say like, I'm really insecure about this part of me or that and we'll work around it in Mm -hmm. photographing. But I can also say, well, we try this shot. Right. And then I can let you see if you want to see. And I think I've only had like three models who actually wanted to see the photographs Mm. of them. Oftentimes they're like, I trust you to do what you do. And we'll go from there. Mm -hmm. And I choose the image that I draw from. I haven't had anyone complain yet. (laughs) (laughs) Because I usually find an image that felt like our session. I try to keep like the technical aspects of a drawing out of it. And I'm like, what did this feel like for them? Were they really tentative? Were they just really empowered? Were they somewhere in between and go for it? There's been a few times where I'm photographing and I knew the shot the minute I got it. There was a model. She had modeled for me once and she was like, can I model for you again? I said, yeah, let's do it. And she came in. She's like, I don't want to talk. I was like, okay. She was like, I have some emotions I have to get out. And I know you're a safe person and I'm okay with you photographing it. And I'm just going to move around. I'm probably going to cry. I just want to get it out. Wow. And she did it. And I knew the minute I took the photograph and it was just incredibly powerful. I work primarily in drawing because I feel that charcoal especially is just so beautiful. It's very tactile. And I wanted them to feel the hand of the artist in there. One thing that came up when I've done the work, people are like, oh, people who don't love themselves, they must stand in front of the mirror and like shake their stomachs or something like that. And for me, it was very different. For me, it was I disassociated from myself. Mm. I just pretended I wasn't there from the neck down. Prior to drawing yourself. Prior to drawing myself. I don't go to like hyper-realistic drawing because I feel like I've been given such a gift by the people who work for me, who model for me. And I want there to be a sense of touch that they've been loved and cared for this image that they've given. And that's one of the most important parts to me that they know that in this space that they've been cherished and their stories are so important. And charcoal does that for me. Yeah. And I think it's just very eloquent and can do a lot without telling people how to feel, at least in the way that I handle it. I was going to say there's such a softness to your work, which isn't quite right. There are softness to the bodies. The work itself feels very strong to me, but I think there's really a loving quality to it that comes through. And I'm guessing that's what you're talking about here with the medium and wanting to be clear that this isn't a photo of somebody's body, even though you also are amazingly realistic. Like the way you draw people's tattoos is mind blowing. So (laughs) there is a level of insane precision here, just so we're clear. But yes, it is clearly an artist's view of someone, not a photo of someone. I love it when people bring up the tattoos. My piece, Brazen, is of the woman I mentioned earlier who talked about using her body to reclaim tattoos. I have three drawings of folks who are heavily tattooed, one I just finished this summer. And it probably was the most nerve-wracking thing for me to figure out artistically. I thought I had it with the first two drawings I did, 
And then the one I just finished, the title's called Unwavering, if people want to look it up. She has so many tattoos. Usually I draw the form of the body first and then I add the tattoos on. I had to draw the tattoos first. Oh, wow. And then put her body around her tattoos. That's fascinating. And then I was like, how do I do this? You're drawing other people's artwork. Yes. Oh, no pressure there. Yeah. No, no pressure. (laughs) And it's on a 3D form. And all three of those models are tattoo artists. Wow. So they would know if you missed something. (laughs) And they're all good friends of mine. And every now and then I'll message them like I did with the model I just finished. And I was like, I kind of (laughs) guessed. She's like, I won't tell anybody. I'm like, okay, perfect. I'm completely obsessed with that. I really, yeah, really love the tattoos in particular and all of just all of your work. Let's talk a little bit about the response to your work. I'm curious, both what the models think, but then more broadly when you're doing shows and showing your work, what kind of reactions do you get? You know, overwhelmingly positive. I have not had a model say, oh, you did that or I don't like it. Probably one of my favorites was early on in the series. I had worked from a former student and she came to a show early to see the piece and she was crying in front of the piece. And she said, you made me look beautiful. And I said, I didn't make you anything you aren't already. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because I'm a bit of an awkward person, socially awkward. I mean, I disagree, but okay, keep going. I project a lot of confidence. <laughs> Years of working retail, right? Right, right? But inwardly, sometimes I'm screaming. I'm like, I don't know how to interact. But I love it when people are like, you know, I want to show this to my friend or my daughter or something like that. There's been a few times, though, where I've gotten a few like ew. Wow. Gross. Cool. Yeah, great. I had a small solo show here in Poughkeepsie and I was watching the gallery and a gentleman came in and probably gentleman's a kind word here. <laughs> Generous. <laughs> Generous. Yeah. And he didn't see me and he was like, Ugh. and he kept making these gross sounds. They looked at me, looked me up and down and said, you must be the artist. <gasps> and I was like, yes, I am. Yeah. And he was like, well, I wouldn't hang these in my bedroom. Why can't you draw like normal people? And of course, this is the town I work in and I'm kind of a public figure. So I had to be very nice, Mm -hmm. which hurt me. I love that he thought art should be drawn for him to hang in his bedroom. That's such an interesting way to think about artwork that it is for your Like, do you know what I mean? Like, how entitled he feels to these drawings of bodies. Interesting. He was like, I wouldn't want to wake up to them. And I'm like, well, I don't want you to wake up to my drawings regardless. (laughs) (laughs) Sir, I would not want to wake up to you. So. Yeah. Go away now. Yeah. Good luck to the Uh, person who has to do that. (laughs) Yeah. I have recently, although someone didn't say it to me, they said it to someone related with the gallery. Thought my work was pornography. Just because some people are naked. Yeah, just because of the nudity. And actually, I go out of my way to not portray anything like overtly sexual. It's not what I'm focusing on. I'm like, part of me wants to be like, wow, your porn must be really boring. Yeah, (laughs) not a lot happens in your porn. Interesting. (laughs) To each their own. I mean, I guess there is a group of people who just think nudity equals pornography no matter what like do they not ever go to Italy did they not hear of the renaissance like I just I don't understand because like we have centuries upon centuries of naked people in art but I wonder if they're especially quick to go there because the bodies you are showing are fat bodies or because they're challenging bodies to them in some way I think so 
because the work does make people uncomfortable mm-hmm. because they're not Photoshop, because they're not just the beauty ideal. Mm-hmm. And I think it forces a lot of people to confront their own biases. Mm-hmm. So it might be an easy way to say this is inappropriate. Right. Hopefully those are the people that even afterwards think about the work and lets it kind of sit in the back of their head and maybe changes a little bit of what they think. You know, that's all I can hope. I mean, I get this. This is like the same as the trolls who message me about my work. I don't think fat chicks are attractive. And it's so interesting to me because nothing I write about has to do with whether men find fat women attractive. But I think it taps into there are some men who do find fat women attractive and yet feel like they can't be public in that. And so then they have to turn that negatively onto fat women. I said that awkwardly, but you know what I mean? Yeah, their denial. And it's interesting that the few people I've known that have said this about my images being pornographic are older women. So it's tapping into their own stuff. I think a lot of the way that they grew up, that thinness was ideal. You got it through whatever means necessary. Mm -hmm. And to then see people really living in their own bodies and not just in bodies, but then modeling in art and nude and uh, challenges a lot of those preconceived notions. This is making me think of something you told me previously of, I can't remember if it was a professor of yours or someone who commented on a pose and was like, oh, she's so ashamed of her body because she's covering. Do you want to tell that story? Yeah, it's my first large drawing. And when I took the photo, I crossed my arms and one's kind of underneath my chest and one's kind of going over top. And it's meant to be like this hug, Mm -hmm. right? It was more of like a, it's going to be okay for myself. And because I'm busty, (laughs) I kind of caught my bust in my arm. Mm -hmm. And remember my professor was like, well, that's not correct anatomically. And I'm like, pretty sure it is. (laughs) And she was like, well, I feel like this figure is just ashamed of herself. And like, she's sitting in the mirror, like, like hiding. And I'm like, well, actually, this is a very kind of loving hug. She's not covering anything unless you count like the sternum, right? The stomach was there. The vulva's there. The breasts are there. And I said, I really think that you're projecting your insecurities onto my figure. Yeah. And everybody was just kind of quiet. Yeah. I think they knew. I mean, the first time I saw your pieces in person, you were there. I cried. And I was thinking before we started recording, like, why did I cry and what it was? And it was, it felt just very visceral. Like, just, it was so healing to be in the presence of fat, beautiful bodies like that and the power that they held and just a whole bunch of things. But I can see for someone who's in a different place with fatness, with their own body, it's going to bring that up and be really challenging. And that's also really good. And that's exactly what I want. I want people to go in there and really start kind of like investigating for themselves and reevaluating how they see themselves and see others yeah, and how they judge others. I generally don't care what people think about my artwork. Mm -hmm. Took a long time to get over that. That's very evolved of you. (laughs) I'm impressed. (laughs) I kind of had to because I'm a very sensitive person and I want people to like me. But it took a long time for me to realize that, like, this is what I want to do. People are not going to like it. But there are people who it's going to move. Tell us a little bit about your teaching process and how this comes into play. So I'm an associate professor of visual art at Dutchess Community College. And in particular, I teach the figure drawing class. And, you know, when we look at 
art history, which I love art history, but a lot of it is women drawn by men, women in a very subservient position in the pieces. It's very much drawn from the male gaze. Mm -hmm. So I'm very aware of that. So one of the things I do when I teach the class is I focus a lot on bringing in contemporary figurative artists. And I tell my students this, that represent the wonderful diversity that we have in the class. But also it's in many ways, I take that like body liberation and stretch it out to not just include like weight. The classroom is to me, uh, fully inclusive to the best of my ability. And I will keep learning. You know, we've trans and non-binary models. We talk about using language beyond the binary. I talk with my models ahead of time and I say, you know, when I talk about your figure and I'm going to have to, what terms are you most comfortable with? But then it's also making sure I have a lot of body diversity Hmm. as much as I can. And sometimes you're limited by just the model roster. Mm -hmm. I've also been known to say like, okay, we're looking at this model and this is how this anatomy shows, but it's going to show on someone different like me who's larger. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it neutralizes this idea of fat and largeness. And they seem to respond really well. That's awesome. Which has been great. And for a while, we didn't have much curvy models. And we had one of our longstanding models. She can only model once a semester. And she came in. And after she left the next class, they were like, when is she coming back? Mm. We love her. That's like, so- you can see so many different things. And I'm yes. like, yes. What a powerful way to give them a, an appreciation of body diversity. So after I was a student, as I was working with the figure more people's bodies and how wonderfully diverse that they are. Mm -hmm. I used to be like very insecure about my chest. And then I saw that how chests come in all shapes and sizes. And I'm like no longer self-conscious about that anymore. Yeah. In fact, I'm a nude model myself. That's right. So do you do that for other artist friends or how does that work? So I model up at Woodstock School of Art in the summers. And yeah. I just tell them when I'm prepared and I model for their classes and their open studios. So I get to work with a lot of different artists there. What is that like the experience of nude modeling? I mean, it it feels like it's probably a lot more work than people realize. (laughs) Yes. I joke sometimes it's like, all I have to do is sit still, look pretty, right? Yeah. Or just sit still. I don't even have to look pretty. (laughs) But sitting still can be so hard. So hard. Oh, I'm terrible at it. I would not last five minutes. Yeah. (laughs) usually you get a break like every 25 minutes but if you go into like a 25 minute pose oftentimes you're like is my leg still there (laughs) oh no my leg's there it really hurts (laughs) or I have sweat running down my back or my nose itches the nose itches would be like oh killer (laughs) I bet you regret a lot of poses like 18 minutes in you're like this was not the pose (laughs) you learn the capabilities of your body right as you've been doing it But sometimes I'm like, oh, yeah, I totally put my hand there and it's supporting all my weight. I said it'd be fine for 20 minutes and then like 10 minutes and you're like, I'm going to die. I don't have a wrist anymore. (laughs) It's fine. Yeah, but it's also very empowering because it is a safe space. There's only been one instance where I've been modeling and someone was clearly upset that they had a plus size model and I just stared them down. (laughs) Because he wasn't drawing. Oh, he was just like sitting there sulking. Yeah, he was sitting there sulking. Oh, my God. And that oh. is not acceptable. No. As someone who also, you know, teaches the course. Yeah. You do work. Yeah. So, and I, I never stare people down because I don't want artists to get nervous, but I stared him <laughs> down until he started working. Ugh. I enjoy that greatly. <laughs> yes. 
All right. So we wrap up with butter, which is our recommendation segment. Lindsay, what is your butter today? I hope it's okay to like give a shout out. And I think it's two tattoos. Yay. That's fun. Like the way we reclaim our bodies and the inspiration that's done for me and particularly a shop that I absolutely love, if that's all right is Guts and Glory in Rosendale. That's where those three tattoo artists work. And they've given me such amazing work and made me feel so much more myself and empowered me. And it's an amazing shop. There's queer folks there. It's just absolutely beautiful. So they're my butter. Oh, I love that. I have talked on the podcast. I do not have any tattoos Yet, I should say, life is long. We'll see. (laughs) I've just never been able to commit, but I have a deep appreciation for them. I think that's the overthinking thing I can really relate to. I'm like, they're so wonderful. I couldn't possibly pick one, (laughs) 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 which is, you know, anyway, we can unpack that later. But I love hearing what they do for people and their relationship with their body. So that's such a great better. And I was also overthinking what my butter should be. And then I realized it's very obvious since I am talking to Lindsay Guile, my butter is Valiant by Lindsay Guile, which is the most incredible drawing that I just got from her unapologetic series. And we will have a photo of this in the show notes, of course. This is a present that Dan and all my family went in on together as a congratulations for my book. So it's really special anyway that they wanted to do something nice in celebrating the book but the fact that they pick Lindsay's artwork and then it led me to get to know Lindsay and yeah and the piece is just I'm so excited about it I'm currently on the hunt to find a framer who can frame something this large but it's only like almost 80 inches it's fine (laughs) I emailed my local frame shop who are so lovely and do such good work and they were like we are not set up for that (laughs) (laughs) but you've given me names of a couple places so this is my better project is going on a little framing odyssey with it and you came over and we picked the wall in my house it's going to hang on it will not be done by the time this episode airs but I will definitely do follow-up when I have it in the house so everyone can see it it's just amazing and there is an incredible space tattoo on Hannah That was one of the details I really loved about it. And I just love her expression. I'm so glad too, because Hannah is fantastic to work with as well. And one of the few times I've actually gotten to talk with someone who occupies this body liberation space. Right, right. We should say the model is Hannah Noelle Smith, who is a local therapist and fat activist and specializes in eating disorder recovery. And she's also a buddy of mine from the Body Liberation Hiking Club Did you just get to know her through drawing her or how did that work? Yeah, I had an artist residency at the Blue Mountain Center in 21. And I had put out a call on social media that was looking for local models. And she got right a hold of me. And it was really funny because when we met, she was like, I found you shared by another fat creator. And then it was like, oh my gosh, you're in Poughkeepsie. I'm in Poughkeepsie. (laughs) Smallest world. Yeah. Well, it is really exciting because... Yeah, I mean, the fat activism community is large and spread out all over. But locally, you know, we don't have like so many of us. So it's been fun to kind of start to to come together a little more. I think all my friends are like, yes, we know Virginia. You posted about her. <laughs> like, she's really cool. Same, same. Definitely mutual admiration <laughs> society for sure. Lindsay, thank you for doing this. Why don't we wrap up by just telling folks where we can follow you and how we can support your work. Yes. First of all, again, thank you for having me. This has been absolutely delightful. You can follow me on Instagram at Lindsay Guile Studio. 
And I have a website, lindsayguile.com. In terms of support, I have no shows right now. I'm kind of working right now to show later. I do have two solo shows coming up in the spring of 2024, one here in the Hudson Valley, one out in the Rochester area. So if you follow me and you can come to an opening, that's absolutely wonderful. You know, if you ever have an interest in buying something, just send me an email. I'd love to have a shop, but I already have a full-time job. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when you have details on those shows, and we'll put them in the newsletter and make sure folks know and go. And I can't wait to go to the next one. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to Burnt Toast. If you'd like to support the show, please subscribe for free on your podcast player and tell a friend about this episode and leave us a rating or review. You can also consider a paid subscription to the Burnt Toast newsletter. It's just $5 a month or $50 for the year. You get a ton of cool perks. You keep this an ad and sponsor-free space. And you enable us to pay honorariums to guests to compensate them for their time and labor. Find out more at virginiasoulsmith.substack.com. The Burnt Toast Podcast is produced and hosted by me, Virginia Soulsmith. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at V underscore Soulsmith. Our transcripts are edited and formatted by Corinne Fay, who runs at Cell Trade Plus, an Instagram account where you can buy and sell plus-size clothing. The Burnt Toast logo is by Deanna Lowe. Our theme music is by Jeff Bailey and Chris Maxwell, and Tommy Heron is our audio engineer. Thanks for listening and supporting anti-diet, body liberation journalism.